Smartcast. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hold on to your butts. We are changing the course of history as we see it. That is what Wesker demands. Now this affects Iris. Um, Iris, where are you? What you feel only matters to you. I do not entertain hypotheticals. The world as it is is vexing enough. Iris, I have a tip for you. Don't take drugs! Or whatever movies with Wesley and Iris. What up and welcome to Or Whatever Movies. I'm your co-host, Iris, and I'm here with my older brother. Wesley, your friend to the end. <laughs> and today we're talking a movie from 2022 slash 2023 slash M3 again. M3 again. Otherwise known as Megan. Different voice actor and physical movement actor. Yeah, but there were lots of different voice actors for Megan, I have to assume given that she was a T-1000 voice-throwing manipulator type. Oh, right. Like when she imitates Gemma or imitates the neighbor, Celia. And the dog. And the, and the dog? Oh, whimpering in the back of the shed? Yep. Or barking. I must have missed. Did she bark? No, she whimpered. That's just AI, yo. It's no coincidence that m 3 was born basically the same time as ChatGBT. The, uh, yeah, I'm hearing all about this. Oh, it's going to be the death of creative writing or whatever. Oh, man, it's crazy. It is crazy powerful. It's like Skynet crazy powerful. Yeah, this is going to be our, our version of mom and dad getting like scammed by Nigerian uh, princes or whatever. We're going to be the old folks that get scammed by AI and people call and we think <laughs> it's a real person, but it's a robot. And how will we know the difference? We're too old to be on the front line of this cutting edge technology. It's going to fool us more than anything. Well, I'm I'm planning on spending some real time digging in. In fact, I forget w- how I went down the rabbit hole, but I was definitely re- reading the chat GPT terms and conditions last night. <laughs> to see where they violate, like, how liable they are for their infractions. It generated a glossary at my marketing team's request, but I'm sure that their terms and conditions and their slew of other policies were all AI generated. And you're jacking them for yours? You're like standing on the shoulders of iron giants. Was that a Iron Giant reference? It's a vague robot reference, even though I don't think any part of M3gan was iron. She, well, supposedly she was just she was all iron and metal with her silicon exterior. No, that's true because she's all like Terminator endoskeleton, all crucified on the wall for safety. Right. <laughs> and looking scarier than ever. Yeah, they have her chained up in those pseudo handcuff things. Yeah, this is how we stay young and hip and current is by watching and discussing M3GAN. Well, M3GAN, a major box office success. Major. Made for $12 million and grossing, what, just under $200 million at this point? 
That's insane. This is what Jason Bloom do. He takes these properties, he strips the uh, the scares down to barest essence, churns out a movie that people could say is formulaic or whatever, or nothing new that we've seen, but he targets it at a specific audience and then makes back 15 times the budget or whatever. I wouldn't mind being in the BH business. He's like the Harvey Weinstein of horror. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean like... Isn't Harvey Weinstein the Harvey Weinstein of horror? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of taking little movies that could and making them can, you know? Oh, man. And M3 can do. E- e- well, successfully, like financially, yeah. Okay, so was Megan, was, we'll just call it Megan because every single time I'm tripping on it. Is Megan intentionally campy? I think it has to be. But like like stuff that's churned out for the little ones, I don't think that that's how I think that's how adults perceive it. This is listed pretty much everywhere I can find it as a horror comedy because it's right. supposed to be campy and tap into the adult mindset. You need, you need something. You have to provide something for the adults to watch it. But basically, this is all our robot horror movies, our Terminators and Child's Plays distilled for younger audiences. So we talked about watching this and and discussing it, and we watched it separately, and you watched on Peacock the unrated cut. That's right. And so even for entry-level horror like this, uh, to get Kelly Ray on board, I had to say, come on, we're watching a PG-13 movie. How bad could it be? And she's like, fine. And I got to say, like it, it was deliberately dialed down for younger audiences. I don't know if 13 is the target, but definitely that was what it was pointing at, and those kids don't know about the horror movies that we saw in the 80s and 90s. Does unrated mean worse than rated R or does it simply mean it hasn't gone through the MPA process? Because I don't think my version was, there was nothing shockingly crazy in the version, the unrated version that I saw. It's how it was originally marketed. Oh, it's unrated. It's loose cannon. It's the director's cut and the director is crazy, right? Here's all the crazy stuff we couldn't show you in theaters. But then that's exactly what it meant. Because it was reworked and there were things added, it didn't get a formal rating by the MPAA. And they can suggest that it's more salacious or gory or whatever by calling it unrated. Now it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> right. Okay, so just a marketing gimmick, because I don't think we're going to be able to do a direct side-by-side comparison of our unrated and PG-13 cuts. Well, the writer did say that the movie was originally had more deaths and much more gore. And then it was, like I said, deliberately toned down for a younger audience, which is both bewildering and fascinating to me because this movie was a huge success, I think, as a result of its accessibility to you know for younger kids. But I did see that uh, it seems like the one thing that you got that we didn't get was the fate of the therapist. Lydia. Huh. I was just doing a death toll in my head. And it so Celia dies by insecticide. What is insecticide? She didn't get uh, like pressure washed to death? <laughs> With insecticide, right? <laughs> okay. Fair enough. If the pressure washing <laughs> and- don't kill you, then the in- <laughs> Megan pressure washed insecticide chemicals directly into her body. Something like that. I mean, in my version, her face melts off. Really? No, nope, Did we get didn't that? get that at all. Nope. We, we got okay. splashing and then red, reddish brown tinted chemicals and or blood flowing into the gutter. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, her face melts off and unrated. <laughs> we get <laughs> we get D- David, the CEO, and his assistants 
elevator murder. Yep. Uh, we didn't see penetration by the katana, <laughs> whatever she had. I don't know why they had metal <laughs> weapons lying around. That's an accessory for the murder, Megan. Megan definitely slits Kurt's throat. Nope. So did you see the, how she staged Kurt's suicide? Yeah, forcing his hand onto the, the blade, yeah. But you don't see her... Megan cut Kurt's throat. No, the way it was presented to us, she forces his hand onto the handle of the sword knife thing or whatever, and then she like thrusts her arm forward, holding his hand, suggesting she stabs him in the throat. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, we get full on execution. Okay. I mean, we know he dies. And then there's the kid who gets run over. Did anyone else die? Oh, and the dog. <sighs> right. But did the therapist die in your version? I don't think so. Because it's, it was said that, that Megan kills her for making Katie cry, but that was taken out of the PG-13 version or maybe the filmed version. Because indeed, we did not see her death. She simply disappears. She's mean and yeah. she's giving Gemma the stink eye and then she pieces out. But apparently in the script yeah. and originally she died. So I thought that would have been a death that you got that we simply didn't get. No, as far as I recall, Gemma asks Lydia to leave and she kind of backs out hesitantly. And I don't know if she, it was hesitantly because she was like, don't order me around or if it was like, "Ooh, something's really wrong here. Yep. But she leaves and I think that's that's it for Lydia. Okay. It's right after Katie slaps Gemma in the face. Okay. And she says, oh, we got to talk about this or whatever. And she's like, no, this is my deal. Lydia, I don't think she was a bad therapist necessarily. I think that she was unfortunately placed in the wrong place at the wrong time and gave Gemma unfair, well, I th maybe unfair like stink eye or whatever. But this just reinforces that for the most part, <laughs> like there's whole like Megan was right campaigns. Or whatever online because Megan maybe didn't kill anyone who kind of didn't deserve to die. <laughs> well, I don't know that David deserved to be executed in the elevator, all blood splatter everywhere, and then have his body revealed to a, a throng of, of spectators waiting for Megan's debut. But he definitely seemed to get what he deserved. I don't think any of these people deserve to die. Okay, so let's go through the through the list. Poor Katie lost her parents, right? But slow down, Brian. Visibility is near is near zero. But my foot is stuck to the floor, and I'm plowing forward in the snow. Stop the car. They totally deserve to die. Yeah, stop the car, and also pull to the side. Don't just sit in the middle of the road. I can't see full speed ahead. And they killed uh, Katie's Furby or whatever, which resulted in her being extra super sad. Gemma has zero remorse for her sister's death. Yes, it's very weird. And, and we'll get to that in a second. So then Megan kills the dog. And I love dogs. And still, that dog, 100% in my world, would have been put down. Mm. I don't care if you're on your property or whatever. I don't care if a dog is aggressive and violent towards humans. They're typically put down. And, it's true. And the fact that the guy's like, I don't know. You went on her, her property and you got mauled. Sorry, stay off her property. That's not going to work. So then, and you know that I'm all for casting the Asian dudes or whatever and diversity. But David, every note that he put forth was a false note to me. Mm. And you know he's crazy because in that video, he wore a turtleneck. And I get that he was trying to be Steve Jobs and the like tech guru who's all fiery and stuff. But I hated it every time he spoke and he died. And if you're going to be like the idiot's lackey or whatever, then you deserve to die too. Sorry. Um, that kid in the forest when they were farming sticky balls or whatever. Yeah. The bully. Sadistic vest kid. That dude totally deserved to die. Did you not get the vibe that he was... 
he was potentially a doll rapist, right? Oh, I was really hoping it didn't go there, and thankfully it didn't. Right, but it could have. It definitely could have. He, like, straddles the doll, and you're like, what are you doing, kid? Yeah. Right? That kid totally deserved to die. Is it rape if you have sex with a real doll? <laughs> like well, someone else's real doll? I mean, technically, you don't get consent. I I, I don't know. Uh, anyway, I'm just saying, I think that, that covers the gamut of who Megan killed, and I don't think it's that bad. I mean, I'm not going to go so far as to make, say Megan was right, but... I'm also not going to say that they deserved to die, but it was it is clear that everyone who died was a bad guy. Although, is Gemma a bad guy? She seems like a fairly irresponsible roboticist and scientist. She's like going behind her boss's back. She has zero remorse for her sister's death. She's a terrible aunt to her grieving <laughs> niece. She's the worst at opening collectibles packaging that I've ever seen. <laughs> Kelly Ray is like, why is she opening the box like that? She was just mad and making a point like, okay, you guys don't think it's valuable. I don't think it's valuable either. So there. <laughs> this is very weird. So this was, let's take all the stuff and package it for kids and make hundreds of millions of dollars, basically. But we've seen all this stuff. And I was really hoping because Megan inexplicably, this is a weird thing. This movie uh, is going to be remembered for me because it's shaking my confidence in Rotten Tomatoes. Rotten Tomatoes, as we all know, is a critical aggregate. We take a you know professional, quote unquote, movie reviewers and decide, distill their reviews down to, is it good or is it bad? Is it rotten or is it fresh? And then ultimately for a passing grade, I think it has to be what? 70 70% fresh ratings for the movie to be considered fresh on Rotten Tomatoes and thereby in the minds of the public good, correct? So I went to Megan and inexplicably 93% critical approval Whoa. and that's higher than audience, which for Megan is strange. It's in the low 70s for audience satisfaction, but I was like, okay, cuz I watched Megan and I went I was like, who loves the movie? Let's go see. And it really is us. It's like movielover.com podcast says Megan is a rollicking thrill ride filled with surprise turns and unexpected joys you know and you're like what I'm sorry to interrupt did you say 93% tomato meter and so this is what I'm saying I was like oh is it A.O. Scott from the New York Times or whatever is it Pauline Kale what are we talking about here and it's not it's it's bloggers and podcasters. And so I'm, I'm afraid that Megan has tapped into the online critical aggregate sites to make us believe that this movie is better than it is. Oh, you think it's an AI generated audience score or, or Metacritic score? Yes. Conspiracy. Because, and so I thought Megan was going to be something different. The, what, what do I not know? Why is Megan so highly reviewed? And so I was waiting for the thing that would make this different from a hundred other killer doll movies that I've seen throughout my lifetime. And so what I came up with is I don't trust Gemma. She's way too bad an aunt. She has zero reaction to her sister dying, like you said. She handled her sister dying, in my opinion, like a robot would. A robot. And oh. I was like, oh, she's totally bad. And remember, she's like manipulating Ralph or whatever, the ro her college robot, and making it talk and stuff. I was, you just oh, called him Ralph. Whatever. <laughs> I was totally convinced that she was controlling Megan because she was the one who created this monster. She's the Frankenstein, Dr. Frankenstein, and, and Megan is the monster. But it's part, it's made up from her. 
It's like based on her personality or whatever. And so I thought that her psychosis was taking on a life of its own with the vast, expansive Megan power to manipulate the internet and digital resources, you know? She was, it was like the lawnmower man that Gemma, or as I called her, G3ma, was, was <laughs> the real bad person and Megan was her robot extension. That would have been interesting, but maybe that's Megan 2.0. Maybe maybe Megan 2.0 is just G3ma. We show that the fetish soul, the fetish doll soul actually entered into Gemma and has taken over her corporeal body. And the, even that wouldn't be original. That's the plot of Child's Play. Oh, that's right. The serial killer goes into Chucky. Yes. And who goes into the, what movie am I, was I referencing about the fetish doll? About uh, Trilogy of Terror. <laughs> Yes. Amelia, that's what it is. And it's only one of three stories all featuring Karen Black, none of which are related. You mean M3 Leah? <laughs> Dude, this is, that was like the 70s. Yeah. Like, what makes this movie unique? What's its angle? It's so trite. And the kids don't know about that stuff. I don't know. So in, in that way. So you're I, saying it's original to the kids and because they targeted the kids. And by kids, you mean like Gen Z? Yeah, but everything is original to kids. They're new models. They're fresh for input, man. And and that's and, and I wonder, like, this kind of changes the way that I look at these kinds of movies. Maybe Jason Bloom has it right. Is he maybe a hack? Is he the Edison taking, you know, the, the stuff from other artists and just kind of throwing it out to the masses and making a fortune off of it? I don't know, but he is definitely doing it right. The one success I think I see in Megan unequivocally is that it made a fortune based on to make this movie itself for $12 million is kind of miraculous. And I don't think that Jason Blum did that necessarily. I think he just distributed it. I, I can't say that for sure. But still, mm. if you look at Megan and they were like, how, how much did that cost? I would have been like 70, 80 million easy for kind of a low budge horror movie. To do it for 12 mm. is spectacular. No. I agree that the special effects exceed its $12 million budget. That being said, I don't think this movie could be re made responsibly for more than 25 or 30. So maybe it was made irresponsibly. It is a little girl under the, the latex mask or whatever doing all the Megan-ness and, and ADR and VO. That's easy enough to do. I heard that our little dancer who bodied, embodied Megan, Amy Donald, was cast because she was a contortionist and because she could run on all fours. Which was, by the way, the most unnecessary aspect of Megan's characteristics. Yep. Like, why, when she needs to tear after the, the the bully, does she do it in the most inefficient way possible? I think she's growling. On all fours. And yet, in, in a weird way, that was one of the moments that kind of led me to think, oh, maybe there is more to Megan under than appears on the surface. Because cutting-edge robotics and bipedal robots really have a hard time with forward motion, especially speed. And so, if Megan was a real robot or whatever created by this lady at a toy company in order to achieve speed that might be the best way to do it really but also she was kind of growling and it was made to look animalistic and scary or whatever and I'm not gonna buy that oh that's th this just reflecting of the cutting edge of technology because they understood what the troubles uh, the troubleshooting for actual robotics is like no I'm guessing it was just kind of dumb well, this is my point, right? Because you're talking about Jason Blum and artistry, right? And if he, does he do it just to make a quick buck or is there a real artistic integrity that he brings to the film? And I don't think that Megan is devoid of artistic integrity. And I don't think that it's a money grab because you just can't predict necessarily what's going to make money. But there are different aspects of Megan that don't serve a story point that are 
just only intended to be creepy. And trailer-worthy, right? Running on all fours, even though we've just analyzed it, doesn't appear to have a story motivation. I mean, maybe you, you could say that it was just intended to scare the bully so that he's running kind of blindly forward and into a road. But the dancing scene, completely superfluous. And also, why do you put organic makeup on an android? Isn't that like permanently applied? Like she literally has running makeup at the end when she gets wet. Her eyeliner is like bleeding down her face all dramatically. Yeah, that's how you can tell. Like promising young woman style. That's how you know a woman has lost it if she lets her makeup go. That's scarier than anything. (laughs) Running makeup is terrifying. And so you're thinking like, what is Gemma applying? Did they apply her eyeliner just for like an aesthetic effect? See, like who's applying the doll's makeup? Oh, it's got to be Gemma. And I would point to her. If that was a story point, but it's not. Nope. It's all for effect. The, the the dancing scene made me mad. Right, but the dancing was kind of the creepiest part of the trailer because she's doing a thing and it's like, whoa, that's that distinctly non-human looking with the no facial expression thing. <sighs> Remember when the, the light starts flashing and it's like shorting out and she's like all ticky and doing the scary robot movements? I thought yeah. that's kind of what the dancing was. I thought that she becomes more fluid, more lifelike. She's not restrained by, you know, the limits of her robotics that she can like move smoothly and freely. And that's what's scary about it. And she's much more lithe and agile and strong than anyone around her. So she can kill at will and stuff. And she's a little ninja. But it was just a dance before she kill- killed the people. <laughs> it was like a cer- ceremonial death dance. <laughs> But she does it in a way that's the dancing wasn't the result of a shorting, short circuiting or anything like that. Like it was it was intended to be like, I will creep you out before I murder you. Right. And strike fear or whatever. I'm going to murder your heart first. And so in that way, this was like, let's mess with the viewers. The things that trip us up, the logic in this movie or lack thereof that trips us up uh, are kind of painted over by that stuff. Painted over by cool-looking, creepy stuff? Yeah, weird weird stuff. That's like, oh, that's weird. And it distracts from the fact that not a lot of it makes sense. When, when she's the most terrifying or whatever, that's when Katie decides inexplicably to break down and to manifest her trauma. I thought that G3ma was manipulating Katie to have, like using her as I don't know her own doll like in a twisted puppet master kind of way and was using Megan to rile her up to get her all attached and then you know oh it's a doll honey I'm gonna take it away from you and then she freaks out and like Katie went psychotic and she's like I get so crazy without Megan and I was like there it is there's Gemma's angle or whatever like why did Katie freak out because her aunt literally taped up her best friend and put her in the trunk yeah see i thought it was intentional she chose the presentation (laughs) to have a psychotic break like when all the investors were lined up that was weird i mean it was so weird for Gemma to put that pressure on katie like to use katie as her test case and her spokesperson for megan like all of that is probably the most irresponsible and stuff that she did in addition to just basically yeah, not meeting any of Katie's emotional needs and abandoning her in her grief. And I don't think she ever fed her. <laughs> so she was, yeah, hypoglycemic. Uh, let's just take the lockdown prototype to day camp and set it among the toys. That seems logical. That was a lot of toys. For like a no toy policy, did every toy, did every child show up with a with a stuffy? No, yeah, we needed the E.T. style, which one of these, one of these things is not like the other toy table shot. Right. And then for her to be distinctly missing from it 
She also inexplicably appears in a coat. Did she put on the coat? Was she cold? Did G3ma dress her in a coat? It goes with the makeup, dude. It wasn't Katie's coat or something? It was a murder coat. I don't know, but she's definitely sitting amongst the toys in her little smock dress with the bow tie. She didn't need a murder coat because there was, I mean, even with the messiest death, like the lady next door with the, the pressure washer pesticide thing, not a spot on her after that murder. The the elevator bloodbath? Yeah, exactly. Bath? Nothing. So I don't know. That, like anything else, was just for atmosphere and creepiness that she appears in her like trench coat, like unexpectedly in the woods. Yeah, but that's the stylish creepiness because they resort to old tropes when it comes to outright creepiness. Like you got to mess up her face Terminator style, right, for her to be scary and make the hair all crazy or whatever. Every time like she'd start murdering people, her hair would get wet for some reason. So it would be all straggly and scary. Right, exactly. She had to hit her with the water so that she would short circuit, but also have the... The lanky hair. Right, the crazy hair. The scary lanky hair and and runny makeup. What do you think is happening in in M3GIN 2.0? She's infiltrated Alexa. And so she will, she can hop. like (laughs) Alfreza? Man, this is all the connection. This is how we beat them, how we take them down. Because we just identify all the tech that has has an an E in it. And we know that that's a target. (laughs) It's written into the code that they're susceptible to uh, to infiltration from within. Um, L3 totally wakes up at the end. I'm, I'm telling you, that's what I'm saying. What she does is she can infiltrate that which has access to the network. It's literally the lawnmower man, and she's pervasive. And Megan will be the face of that, but really it's a global network by the time she gets done with it. I, I did think there was potential for all the uh, electronics to possibly be, be bad and for Megan to amass an army or whatever. <laughs> did you listen to the Furby dudes in the beginning and what they were actually saying in that really crisp and clean presentation at the top? Oh, yeah. The infomercial about your perfect pets or yeah, whatever? I didn't get the first one or the second one. I heard it. I didn't write it down. But I did write down when it said, careful, that's my butt. I thought, okay, robots are basically uh, digital emulations of their creators, right? She wrote the code. She knows what Megan can and can't do. And thus, it would be a reflection of her psychosis, even if she she doesn't willingly let it out of the bag. Megan is basically Gemma in crazy robotic, no remorse uh, mode. And we know Allison Williams from Get Out and how effectively scary she can be as a white lady. And then we didn't get any of that stuff, man. What was with the singing, by the way? I don't know. They had uh, license, licensed hits or whatever that they could sing. They were like, let's make Megan contemporary. They're like, let's, if she sings Miley Cyrus, like this will be a home run. I have no, well, that would be a home run for a murderous evil doll for sure, Miley Cyrus. But I have no clue who sung most of those songs. Like, I really, I worry that I'm, you're not viewing this from a kid's perspective. Because as a 13 year old, this movie might have been the bomb. But I just, I can't do it, man. I really can't imagine this movie scaring me if I were 13 the way that Chucky scared me. Chucky scared me to death. I'm still a little afraid of Chucky. (laughs) And I even worked for David Kirshner. I just don't think it's there. I, I jumped half once. I did a half jump once in Megan. And it was when the dog barked. It wasn't even like... Megan related. It wasn't scary for the first two thirds of the movie. Yeah, you know why? Because for the first third of the movie, not, nothing happens. The inciting incident in that Megan ignores her protocol and is maybe bad. It was all just our assumption on that. Uh, it was 33 minutes in before Megan did anything bad. That's too late. 
It's, it's leaving us to fill in the blanks. It's too late for a horror film. I mean, by that time in Barbarian, we were, um... <laughs> but even even that, nothing nothing happened in Barbarian either. It was our perception. <laughs> it was our assessment of the situation that was so terrifying. But in a so in a better way. I don't know, man. I got nothing. All right. And your final reading? I thought Allison Williams was good in this movie because she was scary, and the scary never paid off, unfortunately. I maintain anybody who leaves on the clicks for the texting on their iPhone is a psychopath. But mm-hmm. there was so mm-hmm. much more potential that, that people don't even know the movie that we were, we were talking about, The Lawnmower Man. This reminded me of, of Trilogy of Terror, of Child's Play, of Deadly Friend, which nobody has seen or remembers. Obviously, the Terminator movies. I mean, when what's his name, Ralph? When he tears her apart and flings her upper torso with wires sticking out of it into the corner, you know she's going to come crawling over the thing, Terminator style, right? With her guts all hanging out. Of course. Out. But did people not know that? Did people people go into it and be like, this was wholly original and amazing. Is this going to be a formative movie for kids? Man, I saw Megan when I was 13 and it scarred me for life. I'm still a little bit scared of Megan. I don't know, man. It wasn't good and I wanted it to be good. And I tried to convince Kelly Ray on the strength that it would be good. And it only reinforced this idea that the movies that people love are just not my generation. I'm getting too old for this stuff. I was sad that Megan was so bad. Hey, that rhymes. It just bites off of too much that was better. And this is like if a, an animal or like a bird took pecs out of out of much better horror, like scary doll movies, and then regurgitated it up for the babies. And this is that's what Megan is. I didn't hate it. It didn't make me mad. I just what, I saw too much potential. It's a whatever movie. I believe in the Blumhouse formula. Maybe I, I got to get on this. I need to find a way to make money. Maybe this dude has the answer. I, I'm not sure how much more he's going to get out of me. I don't think it's any surprise that I give Megan a boring. And that's our discussion on Megan. Friendship has evolved. Is that what it said? Is that a tagline? Yep. Ah. But not scary doll movie making. In this 2022 premiering film um, that had its theatrical debut in 2023 available on Peacock. Let us know what you think. 818-835-0473 or whatever movies at gmail.com. Check out two dozen horror film reviews at orwhatevermovies.com or wherever you get podcasts. And thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Miles, are you ready to record our promo for season two of the Wanna Bet podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that season two starts August 18th. But I like Airplane. I know you do, but Wanna Bet is a sports betting podcast. Each week we bet $1,000 on the NFL teams and games that we love. Well, that sounds like fun. It is fun. And last year you picked over 60% of your games correctly. How'd you do? We're not talking about that. We are telling people that they can find us every Friday. So no more movie quotes. Roger, Roger. Electric Acid. Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices. I'm your host, Lisa Boat. Join me in conversation with heart-led humans who share their deeply personal stories of transformation. Transforming 45 is here to uplift, connect, and remind you that it's never too late to write your next chapter. So get ready to be inspired, empowered, and transformed. Join me in this community where through powerful storytelling, we heal and reclaim our inherent magic. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.